I'm Gab. He's Nadim. Jules taking some well-deserved time off. Uh, gray skies over West London. But you know what? Doesn't feel so great because you're here, Nadim. Exactly. And because later on, we're going to be joined by Luis Miguel Echegaray to talk about South American qualifying. There's a lot of big stories uh, going on around the world. But I think we're going to start with Wembley, yep. with England and Italy. Um, and it, to me, the headline is not surprising. England, 3-1 winners. Um and secure their place. It was going to happen. It was inevitable. To me, Nadem, this is a team that isn't just talented in, in key areas, maybe less talented than others, but just plays with tranquility and a maturity and a chemistry that a lot of other teams lack. Yeah, this is very, very true. And I, I've liked this England team for a while, and they've always had their doubters and so on. And when, I, when I hear the doubters, I say, well, Talk to me about other teams that you've been watching to the same extent because there's still this subconscious bias for some people to mention other nations who historically have done well. But as we'll discuss later, not every nation like that is doing well. My prime example is Italy. Two years ago, they won the European Championships and they look like a great side. Two years on, it feels like they're playing a back five trying to hit England on the counter-attack at Wembley. Not something I ever thought I would see. But as I look at that England team, People can have their issues. You're revealing how young you are because, you know what, most people who watched Italy in the 70s and 80s could easily picture Italy playing. But most of those players weren't born in footballs in a different spot <laughs> since then. That's the thing. Because even, say, a team like um, the Netherlands, for example, when you see them sometimes play like a three at the back, it's with Dumfries playing higher and the wingbacks are kind of attacking as opposed to just being fully defensive. But at times, the Italians were pinned so far back. I was, I was thinking, this is it's I, a real city. I disagree with you. Go on. Uh, on the game. I thought, actually, Italy's problem, not problem, Italy's issue is Spalletti wants to play what he calls modern football, which is attacking football, committing people forward, pressing. I mean, you know, you said... You saw, you saw they pressed. Certainly in the first half, they certainly, they, they certainly did. Uh, Udogi uh, and Di Lorenzo. I mean, Udogi especially is not a defensive. Is not a defensive fullback. Mm. He made that choice. The goals that they conceded were both England counterattacks, precisely because they had so many people up the pitch. Um, they they had fifty percent possession. They, was it fifty percent? Yeah, their xG was comparable uh, to to England's. The problem is you can have a great attacking plan, but if you don't have the chemistry because you've only been in charge for for a short while and because you but you have, they have like a whole bunch of players out, not that that's an excuse, England are a better side, but um, you can't go and play that way effectively, right? We see, we see very few national teams do it effectively the way club sides do it. Mm. When you do those things and when you're playing an England team that has Certainly, much Some better conference. individuals in attacking <clears throat> uh, in attacking areas. Um, you will get you will get found out. Yeah, I thought the England team they they have a lot of confidence, and I think the way that I can see a good team is when you see them go one 0 down. Do you yeah. think that they're still going to win? And England went one 0 down. I was like, well, I'm pretty sure they're just going to win this game anyway. And I think this is on Southgate though. This is because we've seen so many England managers before him, right? Yeah. How how many times have we seen England? They go a goal down at Wembley. Yeah. And all of a sudden, and then the opposition created more chances, as Italy did in the first half, right? Uh, chances which they didn't take. And then all of a sudden, there's murmuring in the crowd, and you can see the players. Was there. That murmuring was there. I remember there was a point when they were 1-0 down. You just murmuring about Harry Maguire. Well, yeah, kind of. But the, the, they were 1-0 down, and Maguire and Stones are moving the ball around at the back, and the fans were getting on edge saying, get it forward. And it's funny because 
that's not really the way that international teams play overall. You know, you right. want to have some sort of possession. So they're comfortable, like, knowing that the game is 90 minutes, it's not going to be done in the next yeah. five. It doesn't affect the way that they're going to play. But there was discontent. But as you've mentioned, the talent. You look at the front line, you've got Kane now as a Bayern Munich. You've got uh, Bellingham playing behind him, who's playing for Real Madrid. You've got Rashford on the left, Foden. You've got other players to come back in, like Saka and so on. Like, that's a really exciting team overall. I, I have, I wrote, by the way, a whole piece on the website uh, with some takeaways about this. And a lot of it is that chemistry, that consistency, that experience to England, yes. nine players with 45 caps or more. Italy had just two in their starting 11. Um, Italy also had a bunch of players out, some of them through uh, through injury, like Chiesa and Immobile. Some of them, it's their own fault. Uh, Tonali and Zagnolo. Um, both of them um, were withdrawn from the national team uh, because they were being investigated uh, for illegal betting. Now, here's what we know so far and and, and what this means. Uh, Zagnolo has denied everything. He said he was betting on illegal websites, websites which are not legal in Italy, but are licensed in other European countries. He never bet on football. He only bet on poker. Um, he might have lost some money on it. So I don't see... I think I think Aston Villa fans, I think he's going to be okay because if they can prove it, he'd be stupid to lie about it. Tonali's situation is more complex. He has admitted everything. He's not contesting the charges. Um, and I think we're moving towards an Ivan Tony situation only with, with a stiffer punishment um, because the punishment for this kind of thing tends to be stiffer in, in Italy than it is uh, in England. But I'm going to try to establish the facts and the backstory to this uh, as, best, as best I can. So effectively, there are these unlicensed sites. Um, some of them are simply licensed in, in other countries. Some of them are sites which, as far as I can tell, aren't licensed anywhere or they're licensed in weird places which will license anybody. And in Italy, at least, I don't know about other countries, you are not allowed to access those sites. Some of those sites are invitation only, where they might go to, oh, look, here's a young footballer who we believe likes to bet. We'll invite him in. We'll give him a free credit of 100 grand or whatever, since we know he's good for it. And so this all began with an investigation by the, uh, by the police um, into these sites. As they're investigating these sites, uh, obviously, they, they, they speak to people. They speak to agents who place bets on behalf of other people. And one of them makes, one of them points out that Nicolò Fagioli, uh, the Juventus midfielder, is involved in this. And so they go to Fagioli, who immediately says, yep, I was involved. I feel terrible. Apparently, he's lost a lot of money. He's, some reports say $3 million. I don't believe that. I don't believe he has $3 million. But... Well, you could lose three million, not have. Yeah, <laughs> which is the really scary thing because yeah. then you're playing for Juventus and you're in the hole. Yeah, to... the quickest way to get out of the hole is to win. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I, so that's what I saw. I've heard anyway. <laughs> he he kind of throws himself at the mercy of the court. Says he, you know, he'll collaborate with everything. He, we don't know what punishment he's going to face from law enforcement, but in terms of sporting punishment, he basically negotiated a um, a seven month ban plus effectively five months uh, suspended um, on top of that. And he admitted his guilt from the start. In the other two places, I've mentioned Zagnolo before. I think his name just somehow turned up here. Maybe he was playing poker there. But if he, if he was playing poker on an illegal site, and he's not, you know, he might get a fine, but he's not going to face any sporting sanction yep. if, as he says, he wasn't betting. Yeah. Um, 
The Tonali case is the interesting one because this apparently has been going on for a while. Uh, what we're led to believe is that he hasn't he hasn't made significant losses. Some people even suggest that he's actually made money, but that's neither here nor there. Mm-hmm. He has admitted to doing this for several years. He's admitted to betting on his own teams, both Milan and before that when he was at when he was at Brescia. No word on whether he's bet on Newcastle. Um, now he's only he's he's generally either bet on his team to win or he's bet in games that he wasn't involved in. So we're going to find out. This is all stuff that's kind of leaked from his deposition on which his side have basically confirmed. I think this situation will probably see him... The the talk is that he'll be banned for something 12 to 18 months. Um, Do you say less for... It was really funny is when we talk about... First of all, I think you have to have strong bans if you're a football... If you're a professional footballer and you bet on football. And it's not... It's linked to the credibility of the sport. Yep. Obviously, if you bet on your team to lose when you're playing in a game, I mean, it should seem obvious, right? Then you lose faith in the sport. Uh, it has to do with the... But even if you're not betting on your own team, if you're betting on other teams, it's insider trading. Yep. You have access to information that, um, that, that the average punter wouldn't have. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think you have to have, you have, to have a ban. What is the right length of a ban? Um, I think you have to turn. You have to take into account whether you turn yourself in. And clearly, in Italy, we have, for now at least, it looks as if they're taking a tougher stance than the FA did in the Ivan Tony case. Which, you know, these cases are similar in some ways, different in others. But the main difference is that Tony contested the charges um, at the beginning, mm-hmm. and then. And I'm going by what's what was published in the written reasons about how the FA arrived at, at, at their eight month punishment. You know, he denied having a burner phone. He he was unclear about having a second bank account, um, and then later he admitted admitted to it. So if you don't from day one say, "Yeah, I'm guilty, boss," uh, I will it's like a you. plea deal. It is it is effectively a plea deal. So I think because of that, I think that's what Tonai is going to do, and he'll still get. Um, a heavier punishment. I don't, I don't, most experts say he's going to get between 12 and 18 months, which is substantially longer than Ivan Tony, but it's a different country. It's different jurisdiction. Mm. I think, um, I think there's a discussion to be had about addiction, yeah, but then no everyone has the addiction before they start. And it's very, very clear in the rules when you are a professional footballer that you cannot bet on football anywhere. Like it's very, very clear. They drill home that point. So from when you do it for the first time, you know that you've done something that you should not have done. And I think some of the remorse that some people show, like sometimes they'll say they didn't know and so on. Listen, that's, that's what someone said. That's like a child. It's what you say when you know you've done something wrong, but you just don't want the trouble to be the same. Look what Ivan Tony said. Yeah. And it's it's disappointing for him because, as in for Tonal, it's disappointing for Newcastle, disappointing that this is going on. And, you know, some people make the argument, well, he's betting on himself to win, blah, blah, blah. I still, I still think just any bet itself will affect the way that you perceive that game, especially when you've got a part to play within it. Because think about, say, a fan that bets on the team to win. How do you watch that game? Do you watch it in the same way you would do if you didn't have a bet on? Probably not. So imagine how you're on the field now, the frustration you might have with other people within the team. So I don't really, I don't, I don't like it. But then I also think the way the sport is, especially football, there's so much gambling that happens within it, which gets promoted, gets put on the shirts, get 
putting the programs gets put on TV. This is the Sky Bet Championship. This is the Sky. This make sure you bet on this, bet on that, bet on whatever. And I think they can they talk out both sides of their mouth because they're very forward in saying that people should bet as much as possible. And then unfortunately, then you do get some people who are the players who have the money who get targeted by some companies you've probably never heard of before. And it's that feeling of winning. They are obsessed with it. And not everyone does go down that avenue. And I think this is a really delicate subject because now, what did Newcastle do? If a player was out for 12 to 18 months with like a drug ban or something, they'd probably let them go. And that would come off a mistake, which they know is wrong as well. But because it's this and you could link it to addiction, do you keep him? I think there's probably a financial reason why Newcastle would keep him, which is they just spent, you know, 80 million euros on him. Could they, not, could they not do something in his contract because this is like a significant breach? Well, no, they, they could. I, I, I think. I think. Again, I'm not. A, I'm not a lawyer. You know my thoughts on lawyers. But <laughs> generally speaking, if a player is unavailable for six months or more, even if it's through injury, the club have in most contracts the club can cancel your contract. Yeah. So this is a very similar situation. But what I'm saying is, Newcastle have spent 80 million on him. If he's out for a year he'll come back and he will still have value to them in their books because he's a younger player. Yeah. Now, if he were 35 years old and making a ton of money and not performing on the pitch, throw him into the time. I think that's what they're... But it's, it's you know, I don't think... I'm not saying this about it in a bad way. I think any club would would generally act like that. But he's come out, he said he's had a problem, he's he submitted a psychiatric evaluation. Now they're going to see, you know, which way this goes. Hey, I think you make a great point about people know that it's illegal before they do the first one. And I appreciate the addiction thing, but there is that first step, right? Yeah. yeah. You can also go out and say, okay, but we've all done stuff or most of us have done stuff that we know is illegal Mm -hmm. because we want to try it. Yeah. Right. So it slightly works. And then some of us get addicted and some of us don't. Right. But so mo- it's a question of people, levels. But most people, even if you, you've, I've seen tons of people in my career and life within football who bet on anything and everything, but not football. There are a million other things for you to bet on. You could bet on like a, a horse race in Hungary or whatever. Like nobody cares and that won't get you in trouble. But it's the moment you bring it into football. And when you bring it to the place that you know better than any other, like how did you arrive in that point? And how were, were there enough people saying, yeah, this is fine, this is fine. For you to think that you can do that. That's 100%. I'm, I'm 100% uh, in, in agreement with you. Um, you know, is your addiction to gambling or is your addiction to... Making money from things that you know. Exactly. That's, that's what people are going to struggle with. There's still a lot of facts that we don't know yep. uh, about this case. There's also apparently some of the bets were, were placed through uh, a, a middleman. And again, it's not, so it's not just the case of him... Logging into his IceBet account and doing whatever, I think we've given IceBet a lot of free publicity. You have, you have. I've not even said, I've not even said it. Talking about them, um, but yeah, I, I think it's definitely um, it's definitely a big story and and something to be monitored. Final point on Newcastle, because he hasn't been banned yet, they have a slight ethical dilemma in the sense that do you start him mid- this weekend? Do you start him midweek in the Champions League? Um, how do you, how do you think you can start him? You, you know, you're allowed to do it. You don't get any benefit from not starting him. Equally though, 
you know he's guilty because he's admitted to it. But he's also said, admitted to say feeling like addiction is a problem that he has. So he needs help. And that rehabilitation, is that something that he thinks he needs on the field or is it something he needs off the field? Maybe for him, he'll say that he doesn't want to be involved this weekend. Yeah, I guess that's the easiest decision ever for Newcastle. Yeah, no, and I think that's what they're going to come down to. He's not in the right frame of mind. I mean, Ivan Tony, of course, thought that it was ridiculous that he couldn't even train with his teammates. Um, but the law's the law, my friend. That's a whole other kettle of fish. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However, you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million dollar stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify is your no excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash gabjewels, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash g-a-b-j-u-l-s now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash gabjewels. All right, enough England. Now let's uh, uh, get into a bit of South America. Nadim, joining us is Luis Miguel Echegaray. Um, Luis, welcome aboard. Uh, Luis Miguel, sorry. LME, whatever. Uh, Uruguay against Brazil. Big, big win for Uruguay and massive news. Name out a serious injury. Looks like a cruciate injury. It's a lot of time away. Yeah, let's begin with that. Uh, Neymar Jr., after the Uruguay game, during the Uruguay game, suffers after, obviously, the medics confirm it, ACL, meniscus. The medics are hoping for an eight-month recovery, hoping to get him ready for Copa America. Of course, that's insanely optimistic. Nadine, you will know, of course, mm. as a former player, that that's just very optimistic. So it's normally a nine- to 12-month situation here. But yeah, Neymar is out. And obviously, he has a history with injuries, so it's not looking good. It was a horrible moment for him. Obviously, we wish him the very best, but I am not thinking he'll be ready for Copa America, but he'll be out for a significant amount of time. Yeah, it was pretty horrific. Sometimes with these injuries, you know, you with ACLs, sometimes you wonder, wait, what just happened? Because it looks like nobody touches him. In this case, it's not that he was touched, but he's kind of taking giant steps to regain his balance, and you can tell immediately his face. Like, uh, it's, it's, it's a big, big blow. Um, in a weird way, on a footballing from a from a footballing perspective, leaving aside the iconic status of Neymar, obviously they do have loads of attacking talent that they can replace him with for the Copa America on the pitch. So that's a conversation I think we're going to talk about uh, a long time. Being on the pitch, it's now two games in a row that Brazil have failed to win. Yep. Uh, Uruguay, I saw. I mean, close affair, but. Whatever Uruguay are doing now, it's working. Well, the Marcelo Bielsa effect, my friends. I mean, <laughs> listen. Um, it did not seem to be like an obvious fit for Uruguay, really? given their history. I, well, I tell you why I think it fits perfectly. I think Marcelo Bielsa, obviously, we all know about the history of Marcelo Bielsa. Obviously, if you're a Leeds United fan, you have a, a, an already connection with him. I actually think Bielsa, who already managed national teams in the past, 
is so suited for international competition just because of the philosophy that he gives, the amount of energy that he gives to his team. Uruguay, who is going through a renaissance of their own, because he didn't call Edison Cavani. Lucho Suarez is not there, right? Godin is gone. Well, how it's, are those guys going to play in a, in a Bielsa system? They yes, can't. One, they're not, and two, he doesn't want them. The oldest average player, I believe, is Roche, the goalkeeper, who's 30 years old. Everybody else is super young. Ugarte, they go Fede Valverde, Nico de la Cruz. This is a very dynamic Uruguayan side. Now, to your point, Gab, about, you know, uh, how this is a marathon, it's not a sprint. We have to wait and see how it does. But so far, so good. And it's exactly what you expect from a Marcelo Bielsa side. Possession, they care about it, but not so much. It's about being in your face, and that's exactly how they beat Brazil. They pressured, they pressured Darwin Nunes, of course, uh, leading the way, and, and they're doing very well. We'll have to wait and see how it goes. But so far, Uruguay, killing it. Do we know what the sentiment's like when you, say, remove some of those older players? Because not everybody likes change, especially when it's someone that you've seen so established for so many years, you know, with the Suarez and so on. Well, I, I would imagine, I mean, this is, people said, all right, Let's go and do something different, right? Because after, after years of Tabata... Well, after, you say people. Who, who people? Is that people who work for the Federation or is it the people who want to support the team? I think probably... I Correct me. You know better than me, but I, I would assume people who are... Who are who care about football. I mean, I, 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 I yeah, think after years of doing the same stuff over and over again, you know, calling the same players and so on, and you, you had a lot because you had chemistry, you had understanding, you had a strong dressing room. But equally... Um, it was time to do something different. Yeah, it's important to remember a, a little bit of context about Uruguay. Obviously, El Maestro Tavares, who, who is essentially the godfather of Uruguayan football, left after so many years. Mm-hmm. And from there, Uruguay were like, we need to change a few things. Diego Alonso comes in um, and it didn't work out, obviously, uh, at the World Cup. And from then, they were like, we need a revolution. Mm-hmm. And the thing about Uruguay, a very small nation, they needed to have that transformation, and they did. And so far, it's working. Uruguay, a great story. I know why you're talking so much about it, because there'll be less time to talk about uh, uh, your Peru team. Ugh, this is why you called me. <laughs> so I can cry on live television, Gab Margotti. Fine, fine. Let's talk about it. Go ahead. All right. Win for Argentina. Messi yeah. turns up. I, yeah. thought, I thought he looked good. Yeah, um, and right now, this Peru team, again, you talk about... Teams that keep the same guys out there forever. I, seeing Paulo Guerrero, who I believe is about 12 years older than Nathan. I, generational, yeah? Yes, indeed. Well, let's begin with Argentina. Clearly, right now, they are, in my opinion, by far, not just South America, the best international team out there. They are clicking. Messi, after this game, as you said, he was doing it. He scored a brace. He was just like, he was retiring Peruvian players on the spot with his skills. He was killing it. And they, he said, we're closest, I believe, to Pep Guardiola's Barcelona that we are. They're looking good. Peru, very quickly. Listen, it's a generational issue. The Peruvian domestic soccer league is not good. Uh, and Juan Reynoso, our manager, who used to be a defender, um, is playing reactive football. Yeah. It's not good. What struck me here was playing with Messi and playing without Messi is different. It's not just a question of quality. It's a question of style because, as we've said many times, this is the guy who walks around the pitch. They won their first game in this international break without Messi. I mean, he came on at halftime and nearly scored an Olympic goal. But And then they lined up with Messi this time. Can you just talk a bit? I, I think this is kind of overrated, uh, underrated from Scaloni, the fact that you can adjust like that. Yeah, 100%. I think it's important to remember that Argentina have not lost a World Cup qualifier since 2017. So there's already been a progression. And clearly, Argentina and Brazil are usually the, the two leaders in that, in, that, in that context. But Scaloni, who's worked all over from the youth developments to the under-21s, under-23s, to now the national team, has really built a team around Messi. And I know 
that that's easier to talk about and explain, but that's exactly what happened. No longer do we have in Argentina Messi dependencia, a dependency on Messi. So you can just play around. Julian Alvarez, by the way, if Messi didn't exist, they'd be talking about Julian Alvarez, how incredible he is. And it's not just like Nico Gonzalez on the left who plays for Fiorentina. This is a very good, smart team. And Messi's correct when he said after that Peru game that they're getting closer and closer to something very special. After already winning the World Cup, by the way. I'm just waiting for my man Martinez Cuarta to get in there and just supplant <laughs> Otamendi in the starting lineup. Um, Nadim, Brazil, obviously... Because it's South American qualifying, because the World Cup has expanded to 96 teams, they're going to be there, and, you know, 12 of the 10 teams in South America are going to qualify. <laughs> Just, oh, my gosh. Equally, it's Both a Both of those jokes are going to fly with certain people's heads. Please <laughs> carry on. <laughs> Please carry on. Equally, though, I think it's, it's got to be about... If, if, you're from, if you're Fernando Diniz, I don't want to get you on this as well, uh, LME, you know, you have... A certain way of playing which is very attacking. You know you're just the interim boss um, because maybe Carlo Ancelotti might come next year, maybe not. Um, but immediately the screws start turning on you, right? Because mm. Brazil fans will have, you know, for the next month, this is all going to talk. About, all they're going to talk about until they come back for the for the November break. Yeah, that's that is true, and it's just not quite a job, is it? Managing Brazil, managing Argentina in relation to South America, in relation to world football. Like, you're not supposed to lose. You can't lose. Like, how are you losing? This is Brazil. And for whoever comes in, I'm sure even if it's just a part-time job, this could be the most significant time of your whole career. Because whether you have it for a day or you have it for 10 years, it's still going to be a huge achievement to have that job. But so comes the pressure. So comes the expectancy. And losing games in a way that, say, they did. Um, and obviously losing Neymar does affect that. As you mentioned, it's going to be a long four weeks before they get the chance to try and redeem it. And then even still, imagine if you don't win the next game. Imagine if you say, for example, like put in a performance which the fans don't love. Before you know it, everything's being used against you. And that's the sort of downside of that job. But the upside is you get some of the most talented players in the world. Yeah, you get to manage the most important match yeah. in the world, as evidenced by the t shirt that LME is wearing. Um, <laughs> if you're Denise, do you maybe take this opportunity now without Neymar? Because he's been more, he's been compared in the past as, as like, you know, he's more of a. Klopp type manager and he wants you know it's not the slow build up let the guys you can just say all right you know I'm gonna let Vinicius fly I'm gonna get Richarlison you know uh, fly maybe maybe Casemiro who wasn't good again alongside Bruno Guimaraes maybe I give somebody else somebody more dynamic maybe we try this are you do you think about those experiments or are you kind of like Dead? No, no, I mean no. let me just keep the sea warm until well, okay, there's a few things. One, I, I've never been a fan of an interim manager who's also got his eyes on responsibility somewhere else. I don't care where you manage and how strong a team is. And I feel that that's already an issue there. And it's obviously the reluctancy of the Federation wanting to hire anybody that's not Brazilian. They've called Denise the Brazilian Guardiola. That's all very nice and good, but that takes a long time to try and build, as Scaloni and Argentina right. have shown. Listen, I hate doing this. But there's so many issues, not with Brazilians' offensive firepower. Like you said, Vinicius, Rodrigo, like Lucas Paqueta when he gets over his issues as well. Like you, you have a few things to do. It's at the back. Casemiro has no place in this starting lineup, and yet he continues to start. I know I'm being biased, but somebody like Douglas Luiz for Aston Villa should be in this <laughs> that's, that's, that's the bias. And that's the only reason why I came. Aston Villa fun. There we go. <laughs> no, but to wrap this up, Brazil has issues at the back as well. Only Marquinhos is the only one 
that's the experience enough. That back four has completely changed. And now when you're facing stronger South American nations, right, tougher uh, teams to compete away from home as well, uh, Denise has a lot to do. And Brazil will qualify six direct spots get into the World Cup in 2026. If you don't get into that, if you're Brazil, then it's ridiculous. But there's issues for sure. Yeah, if you don't get in, you dissolve the federation. Danilo yeah. also out, I think, who is a miss. Who I think is a miss, a miss with his experience uh, at the back. Um, LME, a final point on what people really want to know is what impact is Neymar's absence going to have on Al Hilal? We'll leave that one for, uh, for next time. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Gab. Just go to Indeed.com slash Gab right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Gab. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, enough LME. How about some quick hits instead? Allez, let's go. Vout Veghorst misses a penalty. It's tight and often ugly. Um, but another penalty, this one in injury time and taken by Virgil van Dijk, gives Holland a huge 1-0 win away to Greece. Nadim, if Jules were here, he'd criticize the Dutch guy, as he calls Ronald Koeman. I'll leave it up to you if you want to fill his shoes. Well... Those are big shoes to fill. Those uh, <laughs> little tiny feet. What are you talking about? I'll be honest. After the Netherlands lost to France in the first game, I didn't fancy them to go to Greece and win. So the fact that they have done it means that they do, do deserve credit. It obviously wasn't the best game. As you said, it was tight. But, you know, obviously everyone had Van Dijk ready to take the penalty and added time to sort of seal, to help them seal their progress. But you got to do what you got to do. It was a tough... It was going to be a tough game for them. They're not in the best spot as such. But, you know, they got the thing done. The Belgium-Sweden game on Monday night in Brussels had to be abandoned at halftime with the score 1-1 after a gunman killed two Sweden fans a few miles away and initially escaped. Your thoughts, Gab? I mean, all you can say is you feel for, for the families involved. Others, uh, Other people were injured. Um, it looks like a, you know, this person was a self-described uh, member of, of, of ISIS. I think it's just a reminder of... That it's the world that, that we live in and that real life does encroach on football. Those fans in the stadium had to stay behind, be beyond midnight because he was somewhere on the loose near the stadium and they didn't know uh, they didn't know w- when, when it was going to be safe for fans to travel home. Um, I just pray that people stay safe as best they can. France go a goal down but then beat up Scotland 4-1 in a friendly Needham. Is it clear to you why they're the bookies' favorites for the Euros right now? Yeah. And how about Benjamin Pavard scoring twice? Big Benny Pavard, yes. Now, there were two good goals as well. The first one from the corner was great. And then the second one, obviously, as Mbappe is getting a ball into the box, Pavard has to be there. He's the guy, <laughs> isn't he? He has to be. But yeah, you can see why they're favourites. They obviously made it to the World Cup final. And they've still got a lot of the same faces in that side. And this is young, very, very um, exciting talent. So yeah, more power to them until they lose to England. Um, 
Portugal stay perfect with a 5-0 away do- uh, demolition of Bosnia. Gab, Roberto Martinez knows what he's doing, doesn't he? And how about Cristiano Ronaldo getting another two goals? I think this is... All right, first of all, Roberto's done a fantastic job. Eight wins out of eight. They haven't always played well, but they're scoring uh, an absolute ton of goals. Um, it's funny with Cristiano because after what happened, what happened at the World Cup, Fernando Santos finally dropping him. We figured, okay, he's ready to exit stage left. He's not ready to exit stage left. He's still there. And Roberto, who could have dropped him completely, who could have said, ah, new era, thank you, Cristiano. What does he do? He, he makes him a part of it, not a key part, but a guy who comes in and he scored a ton of goals. 127 international goals, goals which is absolutely ridiculous. And, you know, I often joke about, oh, look, he's only 63 goals behind Christine Sinclair, who has the, uh, who has the women's mark. Um, if he continues like this, I'm wondering if he's not going to break that mark. Too. No. You think he scored another 63 goals? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think All so. Right, Christine Sinclair is 40, but I believe she's still playing, so she could add to it, too. Well, there you go. Mexico and Germany battle to a 2-2 draw in their friendly in Philadelphia as uh, Julian Nagelsmann ups for Thomas Muller up front. <clears throat> Need him. There's plenty of work to do. Yeah, there is plenty of work to do, but thankfully, they've got still got a bit of time. You know, that's that's the key thing. If this crisis had been happening say at the turn of this year then you'd be more worried about them heading into the tournament next summer but I suppose it's a step in the right direction maybe there'll be more stability at that point and when you believe that you know you've hit rock bottom then the only way is up and if they can find form maybe they could be one of the more dangerous sides in the tournament especially being at home I see what they're like when uh, Joshua Kimmich is involved as well yeah absolutely yeah the investigation into the Negrera case continues in Spain, Gap, and now Barcelona president Juan Laporta is formally under investigation. Yes, this is Jose Maria Enriquez Negrera, who uh, was a former referee at different times, vice president of the refereeing committee. Turns out uh, he had a consulting contract with Barcelona for nearly two decades, and um, a whole slew of successive Barcelona presidents uh, okayed this, didn't really see this as a problem. Um, he was apparently offering scouting services on referees. Uh, obviously, is a problem. They don't do this anymore. This has to do with Laporta's being president of Barcelona from 2003 to 2010, his first as, as president. Um, and he's under investigation. I think there's no statute of limitations here. I don't think, unless new evidence emerges, it's a big deal in terms of it's going to affect the club on the pitch. It may well affect Laporta. Ukraine went away to Malta 3-1, and Mikhailo Mudrik scores a wonder goal. Nadim, this bodes well for Chelsea's game against Arsenal Saturday, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, she plays. <laughs> that's the, I think that's the thing. But ultimately, I think he was seen as like a very big signing for Chelsea. All the, the fact that they took him away from Arsenal, such a big prospect, but he sort of failed to deliver after such that. Such a huge fee. Well, apparently that's just a regular fee these days. But <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, he started off very well against Liverpool, but the form wasn't necessarily there from that point. If they have more players in good form, maybe Chelsea are back. Maybe. Right. Are you a believer? I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll know more. I'm, I'm going to that game on Saturday. Okay. I'll let you know. Okay. The United States beat Ghana 4 0 in their friendly as Gio Reyna scores twice. Everything forgiven and forgotten? I, I don't think it's going to be forgotten. Um, what happened? I don't know about the forgiveness part, but clearly. Greg Berhalter and the U.S. national teammates who wanted to send him home are willing to work with him. Uh, he's got. He dyed his hair blonde. Maybe it signifies some kind of rebirth. It's his first goal since June 2021. He needs to get on the pitch. 
He's played 27 minutes of football this season for Borussia Dortmund. He needs to get on the pitch. He needs to play regularly, not just play for the U.S. men's national team. He's still only 20 years old. Mm. So he's got a big future ahead ahead of him. And Aaron Ball's in his court. Mm. How about some love for Austria, too? Marcel Sabitzer comes in to give them the win against Azerbaijan, sealing qualification to the Euros. Yeah, who wants to be mean to Ralf Rangnick now, huh? <laughs> no, he can't be, can't be mean to Ralph. He knows what he's doing. He's, exactly. He's, Ralph's at the wheel. And... I think best of all, you see the Sabbath's uh, winning goal. This is somebody that came off the bench. So if you want to manage to make changes, you know, bring on the number nine for the day, which was Sabitzer. Come on, scores a penalty, wins the game. Like, what more could you ask for? Great management. Fantastic management, in fact. And anyway, it's not just Inter. Now that he won't be buying Manchester United, Sheikh Yassim is reportedly being linked with Tottenham Gap. Yes, and I think he's going to continue being linked with every club out there that's, you know, putatively uh, for sale. I don't see this happening for a hundred and one reasons, some of them to do, of course, with Tottenham's heritage uh, as, a, as a football club. I also think the United thing was one thing, but I also think there's a, there's a growing sense as well about, um, about the same people owning more than one club in, in a competition. I know UEFA are like, well, you know, in the modern world, yeah, but if you own two big clubs, and I know Sheikh Jashim isn't QSI, fine, but not that far away either. Mm. And I think City will face the same issue when Palermo qualify for the Champions League, by the way. Yeah, I won't hold my breath on that, but maybe <laughs> at some point. San Marino scored the first goal since a friendly against St. Lucia. Yes, really, St. Lucia. In a 2-1 home defeat to Denmark. <clears throat> but Needham, it's a rough affair. And Rasmus Hoyland complains uh, afterwards that he was targeted by their defenders who were kicking him and could have injured him. Is he being whiny or does he have a point? He's 100% being whiny and I think most attackers are whiny as well. Like, Wait, as a defender, you play defender? Well, if you, <laughs> like, the attacker, no, just leave me alone. Okay, no problem. You go and score then. Absolutely not. Attackers being whiny. Like, it's a physical game. If you want an issue, like, say talk to the referee. But anyway, move on. Attackers are so whiny. <laughs> Everton's financial fair play hearing is expected to conclude this week with the verdict expected next month. Gab, what do you expect? What expectation in that question? in there, Nadem. Um, <laughs> look, I, I think what I expect, first and foremost, is a ton of uncertainty. I don't see, you know how 777 group yep. bought the club? Did it seem weird to you that they would buy the club without knowing what the financial fair play punishment was going to be? Yeah, yeah. And how do they even do their sums? Yeah. So I expect more uncertainty. Um, I don't think there's going to be a point seduction, but I think there could be other material things. I just want a very transparent verdict of exactly what went wrong so that people understand this punishment. The Catalan newspaper Sport is reporting that Barcelona are targeting Julian Alvarez as a replacement for Robert Lewandowski and that he has a 50 million euro release clause in his contract with Manchester City. Nadim, I'm sure you find the first part plausible that maybe Alvarez one day would make a fine replacement for Lewandowski. Uh, but what about this release clause business and this whole secret release clauses that all these Man City players like Erling Haaland supposedly have, but nobody can ever talk about? Yeah, why why, why can nobody ever come out and just discuss them? Like, why is it not a thing? Like, we spend so much time talking about people's theoretical salary and so on, you know, all the other terms, but the clause, no one's making it seem like, well, if the public know the clause, then it means the player's going to go somewhere else. I, I'm not, I don't know, if it's 50 million euros... Who's that to benefit? You know what I mean? And I also think with some of these players, when they sign, if they're good enough for the club, they sign more than one deal. So that first deal was the first element. It's almost like the, the clause is to protect the club if it's not going well. That well, first he hasn't time. signed a second deal yet, has he? But that's the thing you say yet, because he's only been there a year. 
Ah, I see where you're going. You know what I mean? So I wouldn't but, be surprised if you got offered one in this next, say, year to 18 months. Okay, so it's like the Erling Holland. Like, I, I think 1,000% Erling Holland probably does have a secret release clause at Man City because he's always had them before. He had them at Salzburg, he had them at yeah. Dortmund. He had all the leverage. He only, you know, went there for 60, 70 million, whatever it was, in euros. Um, Alvarez also had a release clause when he joined Manchester City, but he didn't have the leverage that Holland did. Mm. So if I'm Man City, why would I give you a release? Normally you give a release clause in exchange if the player has the leverage to demand it or in exchange for a lower salary if you're not sure you can afford to keep him, right? That's not the case with Alvarez, certainly not when he signed because he probably wasn't on enormous money, hasn't signed his new deal yet. And if you're going to do it, why 50 million? Why not 100 million, right? If you're City. I mean, what? But this is, yeah, I don't. I, I don't buy this secret release clause one bit. Keep an eye on that. Keep an if eye they on did, that. that's a screw up from Chicken. Yeah, if it doesn't, which, which, which would surprise me. Yeah, which would surprise me. So, Kareem Benzema. Calvin Phillips? <clears throat> Sorry. Name me three more. <laughs> Kareem Benzema is threatening to sue the French Interior Minister, Gerald Darmanin, after he criticized some of his social media posts relating to the situation in Gaza, saying he had links to the Muslim Brotherhood, which Benzema denies. Another French politician suggests Benzema should be stripped of his Ballon d'Or. Gab, what's your take? Yeah, the other uh, French politician is Valérie <coughs> Boyer, who is a French senator. Okay, so first and foremost, I'm going to guess Valérie Boyer is not a football fan because nobody who's a football fan could say something so stupid mm-hmm. as to, let's strip him of the Ballon d'Or. The Ballon d'Or isn't awarded by the government of France. <laughs> the Ballon d'Or is voted on by people around the world. Like, I think the Ballon d'Or is stupid and irrelevant, but it doesn't matter. You can't go and what are you going to do? You're going to order France football to say, ah, France football, you're a private company, but you have the word France in your name and we're the French government. So you must strip him of his ballot. I mean, what what are we talking? First of all, like, this just almost offends me in its stupidity. The other thing is, you know what, Gerald? I think you have many more important things to do right now with the state of the world. Maybe. Um, there's a couple of wars going on. Why don't you worry about that than worrying about Kareem Benzema and whether or not he's a member of the Muslim Brotherhood. He's denied it. The Muslim Brotherhood, by the way, um, I'm going to leave you in a secret, is designated as a terrorist organization, not just in some European countries, but in Saudi Arabia too, which is where Kareem Benzema lives. I'm pretty sure the Saudi secret services, the Saudi government, are pretty good at finding out what is a fact and what is not a fact. Well, why can't we just shut up about this? So you've made a very good point, and we'll leave it there. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mainz have suspended winger Anwar El-Ghazi and Nice have done the same with defender Yusuf Atal after they weighed in with social media posts about the crisis in Gaza, posts which were later deleted. Uh, Native, most professional footballers have broad clauses in their contracts which limit what they can say in public. I Certainly I do at ESPN and I'm not a professional footballer. That's what I was going to say. I think most employees do. But then right. they, I suppose it's not necessarily about the specific things you can say. It's about the things that come from 
what you say, you know, whether it brings the club into disrepute, causes issues with the league and so on. But then it also brings out the fact that, say, these players and just general workers in general, sorry workers in general they are normal people who have views on things which are going on beyond just whatever their environment is anyway and I think it is a very very delicate situation because for some they're very passionate about something but they don't know that the reality of the world is far different to the way they perceive it within their bubbles so you know for some guys it's probably better to say nothing but when something is as passion, when you feel as strongly as you do about something unfortunately you have to take the consequences and it seems like El Ghazi is going through the same thing now did you ever feel that you wanted to speak out in public or in social media no, on some no, 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 no. broader issue when you were playing but no, like, yeah. not, not like not like that I had an issue with uh, the owner when I was in MLS because he was like he was doing a lot but off the back of that he ended up having his ownership stripped from him anyway so I think it was very much everyone against the owner as opposed to like a bit of a split um, but overall no I think People that know me will hear me talk about everything in real life. But in terms of social media, you ask the question, well, who's it for? But, you know, we can we can carry on about that. Uh, our ESPN colleague John Sutcliffe reports that the SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles could be dropped as a World Cup venue in 2026 with games moving to Las Vegas instead. Yeah, so this is this comes down to when they picked the venues for 2026 before. Um, when they realized that when they built the SoFi Stadium, which is fantastic in yeah. Inglewood, that even though when they built it, they knew that they were going to get a World Cup game, that they um, kind of made it too tight for football and uh, for the World Cup, that they would have to remove a bunch of a bunch of seats in the front rows and spend X amount of money on them. It's not clear that they've actually done this. There's some sort of uh, dispute, apparently, with um, between the owners um, of SoFi, who I believe it's your pal Stan Kroenke, by the way. My pal. The, the cuddly Stan Kroenke. Um, so this is, and so an alternative would be Las Vegas, where apparently, though, from what I read, and this is, I'm sorry, if I'm not expert on the story, if you're really interested in what's going to happen three years from now, um, you can go and, and, and follow this somewhere else. Uh, apparently their stadium would need to be revamped as well to create that space along the sidelines that's required at a football match, but maybe not at an NFL or college football game. Um, I think, I can't imagine a World Cup in partly in the United States without games in LA. Really? I I mean I seriously. Oh <sighs> see that tapping sound? That's Nadem thinking. Yeah, that is me thinking. I apologize. I like to think <laughs> before I answer questions. Um LA it's the, the second city. biggest city in the country. It is. I, come on, man. It is, 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 is. But it's more so the some of the apathy towards their, some of their teams that gets me a little bit. And that's mostly NFL. But I wonder what that what that looks like when it comes down to that. Oh, look, NFL, Chargers, whatever. They're all lame, right? That's why teams left. That's yeah. fine, right? The NFL team in LA, as the joke goes, they, they have two. There's USC, there's UCLA, right? I don't... I don't but I mean, what about the population there who are football fans? They yeah. two, they, 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 they've got two MLS teams that are, that, that, that are I think, well, well attended. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I, it seems silly to me. I know what you mean. And I believe, could they not reconsider the Rose Bowl as well? Yeah, this is true. This is, this is a good point. I see where you're coming from. I, I think the West Coast does need something. Yeah, you're right. I'll, I'll take it back. I'll take it back. Manchester United are out of the UEFA Women's Champions League after losing 3-1 to Paris Saint-Germain, 4-2 on aggregate. Nadim, this was tight. Uh, yeah, it was Even tight. Even the scare in the first leg. Yeah. This one too. Yeah, they did. They did, but they'll be disappointed. I think their manager, Skinner, you know, he would have had lofty ambitions for the side. I think only four or five months ago, they were in a title race in WSL. So for them to fall off that would have been disappointing. And for them to be knocked out, 
of the Champions League in their first time, you know, you want to say it's a great experience, but they'll be disappointed. And it's not like they started the WSL season in a great way either. But it was always going to be a test going and playing against PSG, especially with the second leg being in Paris. But this is football, this is European football. Arsenal are out, Manchester United are out. So now all eyes are just going to be on Chelsea from the uh, English perspective. And by the way, uh, if you get a chance to look at these highlights, that third goal from the winger from uh, from Paris Saint-Germain, and I'm sorry, I don't recall her name, bit special, uh, I thought, over the goalkeeper. Yeah? Mm, yes and no. Oh, you're going to go and blame the goalkeeper. You can't because the goalkeeper is Mary Ertz, England's number one. I've, I've said yes and no. You're so, going to blame the keeper for that? I've said yes and no. Okay. I've, right. I've said <laughs> okay. yes and no. Right. We'll, see what, we'll see what Mary thinks about it anyway. Okay. okay. Uh, the Bundesliga is working on an app that would allow fans in a stadium to see replays of VAR decisions in real time. Do you like this, Gab? I, yes, because I'm for transparency. But you know what? Most Bundesliga stadiums have big, giant screens <laughs> where maybe you can just replay it there rather than having people sit there like, like a bunch of, of turds on their phone. I mean, isn't the collective experience better a big screen than the individuality of all of us looking at it on our devices? What difference does it make? I mean, if you, if you can do that, right? But sure, more transparency, fine. Mm-hmm. Major League, what, you, you disagree? No, it's, it's not necessarily that. It's because, uh, no, do you know what? The v- VR discussion is way too long. I can't do it in a quick Yeah, day. because you're going to make it with philosophy. The point is, though, the, what they're saying is if fans watching on TV can see the VR decision. Yeah. Shouldn't fans in the stadium be able to as well? Yeah. Like, yeah, let's do it on the Bundesliga app, for, uh, on the new Bundesliga VAR app. Like, why you just put it on the big screen? Yeah, put it, yeah, do you know what they'll do? Put it on the Bundesliga app and then before you know it, you've got to subscribe to the Bundesliga app ah, and you've got I to see. pay. Ah, see, there's more money for yeah. Bundesliga. That's how it grows. <laughs> Major League Soccer's Player Association released their salary survey and guess what? Lionel Messi is the highest paid player. There's a shock. Some are surprised he's making a relatively modest $20 million. Um, but then he didn't play the whole season. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Nadim, um, I assume this is because he's got side deals, Adidas, and Apple TV or whatever. And, and also, I want to ask you, how accurate was the salary survey when you were there? It was very accurate, actually. It's like almost to the dollar, but it incorporates other things that come on top, whether it's benefits and whatever. So it is very, very accurate. And you can see some people really get paid nothing. And then some people get paid everything. Um, and it, it's a weird one because in most of the parts of football, salary is an important thing. It's not everything, but it's an important thing. And it's almost a good thing that you don't know how much somebody else is on. Because in theory, you might think that you deserve more. But in MLS, the way it's done, not everyone can be paid more. There's a structure behind it. But when you see it sometimes, like someone on the field could be earning $70,000 a year and he's standing next to Messi who's in your team getting $20 million for half a year, as you've mentioned. It's strange, but it's very accurate. And yeah, it's not a surprise. I think some people say, oh, is that all he's earned? This and he's doing fine. He's doing fine. And the league is so creative that they'll make sure that, you know, if you're watching the game, he's going to be paid for it as well, which is the Apple deal. And what else? Which other deals has he got? Adidas, I think. Yeah. You know, who sponsored the whole league. So everyone has to wear that. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't send prayers for Lionel Messi anyway. I think he's, I think he'll be okay, especially going into next season. Isco is doing well at Betis, but had a rough time in his last in his final years at Real Madrid, revealing that he sought out therapy to help him cope. Gap. I'm very happy that Isco is doing well at Betis. He's a player who's when he's on song is, is a lot of fun to watch. I like the fact that he was open about it. That you know, again, when we talk about male mental health, I think times have have changed, and 
I think this is empowering. If he comes out and says, like, hey, hey, look, you know, I went to see a therapist because I couldn't deal with the stress of not being in the lineup or difficulties and blah, blah, blah. That's totally fine. If you need help, you know, you just, that's not something you should be the, yeah. ashamed of. The two worlds, though, I think. Uh, there's the world where you as a player, you're known by your peers and you're known by the staff. And overall, most spaces at the highest level are quite progressive, where if you're in need, people will try and get you the help that you need. But externally, as soon as you walk out across the line and it's game time, if you're not playing well, you're not good enough. You know, there are lots of players who are good enough but aren't in the right mental state to be able to be at their best. But those sort of nuanced conversations don't happen as an instant reaction after a game's done and someone's not played well. It's like, oh, he has to leave. They're not good enough. They're not this, not that. Which, interestingly, makes the situation worse. Because now, if you hear any feedback, it's like, yeah, you're no good. You're not good enough. Like, how do you break that cycle, really? Well, maybe you break it by having somebody to talk to as a form of therapy and counseling rather than and saying, like, take all stigma away from men who do that as opposed to the past where you might do it by hitting the bottle or going to gamble or 100%. whatever it is you did for release. Under that, that the idea of man up is one of the most toxic things that's happened that has existed, especially within sport in the last, say, say 20, 30 years, because that's led to a lot of people really struggling in their life and affecting some people in a way whereby, you know, some people even consider taking their life because people struggle. But unfortunately in football, you're not allowed to. Um, Barcelona where... Well, what, sorry, Sue, yeah, sorry, what am I talking about? Barcelona will wear the iconic Rolling Stones tongue and lips logo instead of the Spotify logo uh, as their shirt sponsor when they face Real Madrid in the, in the Classico on October 28th. Nadim, are you impressed by their marketing folk? Uh, yes and no. Yes and no. I think it's pretty cool. But then also I never would have associated Barcelona with cool before. I thought it was more so just about like just – no, as in – like just the game, the football side of things. I thought the way that they played is like iconic. So many people have so many fond memories of them. Obviously, they're not everyone's favorite team, but the football side of things was always the primary thing. And you'd be looking forward to the Classico because it's the Classico. And now I super say, oh, some people who aren't necessarily fully engaged with the sport, oh, I'm looking forward to seeing that Barcelona Rolling Stone shirt because it's <laughs> this, you know what I mean? And there yeah. are people who are like that. And I don't know. I look, I think they got there. I think they reached their objective, right? So we mentioned them. We mentioned Spotify, who's their current sponsor, right? Yeah. So they get more free uh, um, yeah. free advertising. I don't know what the Rolling Stones get on. I don't know if Spotify owned the Rolling Stones logo or whatever. I don't think it's a question of cool because while the Rolling Stones meant a ton to people of a certain generation, not even my generation. But that tongue, is, that, that. that tongue imagery is cool. People wear that on a shirt. You'd wear they that on a shirt. They do in a very you're cool. mainstream sort of way. But... It's down to them. Um, but, you know, people will buy the Rolling Stones. Hey, look, I'm sure they'll issue a version of it around the Classico. I mean, the reality is Barcelona could probably change their shirt every, every week. In fact, if I'm Spotify, I might want to do that because, you know, I, I've still got the stadium and whatever, right? You know, maybe next week, I don't know, maybe they'll be like... The Taylor Swift Spotify shirt or oh. something. Let's not give him. When name. you bring those Swifties, ooh, exactly. wow, that is a group to bring. <laughs> Somebody named Chris Schlosser, who you probably know from your time in MLS. Yeah, big Chrissy. Yeah, <laughs> at, at MLS weighed in on the European model versus the US model of running a league and talked about how not having promotion relegation allows clubs to make important long-term business decisions. Okay, Chris, I am not making fun of you here. Yes, you are. Uh, Yes, you no, are. You're about to. No, no, no. Because this sounds like he must have spoken at some conference where he's speaking to a bunch of people who've got absolutely no clue about football. And he's explaining why the MLS doesn't have 
promotion and relegation in European ones do. I think regular listeners of the show, who I imagine are slightly more educated than the average Joe, uh, will know why uh, they don't, because when you get relegated, your revenues go down and owners don't like that. And that's why American sports don't have promotion and relegation because it's more of a business venture. And he explains that, look, it's easier to plan five years down the line if I know more or less what my revenue is going to be. And in MLS, it never changes. It only goes up. You know, it doesn't change much, put it that way. <laughs> what I thought was really funny, though, uh, was the reasons he gave for it. He says, oh, because they have this revenue certainty, they can invest in technology and things that are better for the fan. And he mentions two things. Quote, great fan app and, quote, a great fan data system. I have no idea what a great fan data system is. Do you? No, absolutely not. It's not a thing. Do you know what a great fan app is? <laughs> I've seen a fan app. <laughs> I don't know if it can be defined as great. If nobody right, he says, and these things cost a lot of money. And I'm like, do they cost a lot of money, Chris? Do they? Or is it just a bunch of developer nerds going and making some sort of app and then a bunch of underpaid content guys putting crap on there from the club website? <sighs> I, I just think, look, I, I can argue both sides of the model. I, I like promotion relegation as a more traditionalist. Maybe it might not work in the U.S. I can see why it works. But I get if I were an MLS owner, I would not want promotion relegation. Fine. But come up with better arguments than the great fan app and the great fan data system. But this is... The, sorry, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to say a few words here. All right, here we go. So, Captain MLS. Yeah, the rest of you. Man of the people. Um, so... He said that to that group of people, and I'm sure lots of people within that room aren't prospective investors in MLS. If he was having the same talk to a group of prospective investors in MLS, you'll say, this is why this is better, because you're guaranteed to make money on your investment. And that is it, because in MLS, you've got the groups, you've got the league, you've got the owners, and you've got the players which is fundamentally so different to all the leagues around the world because you, the clubs are on, they're on separate entities. And for as long as the league is making money, like the league's improved across the years and whatever, but the owners have made more money than the league's improved as the years have gone by. And the investment into it, it's like, doesn't need to be that much. The, the minimum salary can go up a little, little by little, yet still an organization's worth three, four, five hundred million dollars, which is more than most clubs around mm. the world. Like, how can that be a thing when, say, if you look at viewership figures, it's somewhere close to like half a million viewers per so per game? You could argue that it's a thing because a the salary cap they have they have they have a salary cap which is actually very very low. And yes, some teams can go, low. Can go above that low. to sign designated players, if but some teams choose not to, yeah. and they do just fine. You know, you can never get relegated. Yeah. Um, every time a new team comes into the league. And, you know, I kind of feel like citing Captain Ponzi here. Um, Listen, they pay you, said, you said the P word, not me. Which then gets divided by all the... No, it's, it's, it's great for the owners. And look, he's, he works for MLS, he works for the owners. I just think you can make better arguments, maybe, than and the great fan app or the great fan data system. I, th- I maybe also evaluate how, you know... MLS is going to sell. They're going to celebrate their 30 year anniversary in what, two years? Mm. Are they, by what metrics have they grown? Are they satisfied? Do you feel they should, you know, I think these are all conversations which, which, which need to be, which need to be had. Revenue. I think. For well, me. if they've grown in terms of revenue, and by the way, 
do you believe they've grown in terms of revenue? Since it's a big black box and they don't share their numbers. I think they have. Otherwise, people would have been pulling out by now. When you look at, say... All uh, I got to do... See, when you see USL and other like, teams in NWSL, how quickly teams can fold, I think there's a reason why these teams aren't folding. It's because those owners are making money. Well, so then shouldn't the salaries go... Which is my problem. Ah, Which is my problem. Go. There are people who are making a ton of money from this. And I think... Outside of the US, if a new owner comes to your club, you want them to have your club's best interest at heart. But deep down, you know they're going to try and make money. But you want them to have your club's best interest at heart. But over there, given the fact there's no promotion or relegation, you've got a set revenue stream. Then why is it when I was retiring in 2020, a third of the league was earning less than $100,000 a year? This was 2020, not 2002. This was 2020. How can that be the case at the same time when there's somebody, I think Ibrahimovic was earning like seven, eight, nine million. But then I say a third of the league was on less than $100,000 a year. Here you go. Nate channeling his inner Pete Seeger. Solidarity <laughs> forever for the union makes us strong. Yes, there yes, you sir. go. Nadim, I got a press release from a company marketing something called a Unique FC Messi Experience. Now, I think this is beyond stupid, but I'm sure it'll appeal to some people. It allows you, among other things, to have, when you have the, it's not like you have the Messi experience with Lionel Messi there, uh, but it allows you to replicate Messi's training regimen. Messi known for, especially at this age, or his hardcore training. And more interestingly to me, you can interview an AI version of Messi. I don't want to influence you. Is this cool or is this kind of stupid? Like interviewing Messi in the flesh when he's not really known as a big talker is bad enough. An AI version of Messi? I don't know. I think um, overall, this is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen. Okay. <laughs> but because he's such a big star, there'll be some people who would like die to even feel anything like this. You know, desperate to see his training regimen, even though people know, like, as you've said, Messi's never been known for his training regimen. Like, he might say, he takes free kicks, he does all that stuff, he's got the nice bits. But I don't think it's. It's not going to change your life. Not at this stage of his career. No, anyway. unless it's going to be one of those things where it's like, uh, here's a surprise. Uh, here he is sitting down before training. Here he is walking out to train. Um, and then the AI version, like, what? <laughs> what? They're like, what? What? It's, you know, it's not, it's not kind of stupid. It's ridiculously stupid. But there'll probably be a million people around the world who will eat that up. Yeah. And by the way, before the Messi haters, I don't know if Messi's involved in this. I don't know if it, I, I, maybe they've licensed his likeness. They're trying to pay some, whatever it is. Like this is not Lionel you know, Messi's fault. Yeah, people, if you, if you clear on this. Yeah, the, I know. Like we 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 joke around, but at the end of the day, like. <laughs> It's fine. It's fan fiction, basically. Uh, Kelly, midfielder, Jakub Janko, tells the BBC that he's really happy with his decision to come out as gay in February. Gab, why is this important? I think it's really important because I thought when Janko came out, it didn't, it should have received more attention than it did. And the reason I say this is, as far as I know, there were only four top flight uh, professional footballers who have ever come out. Uh, while still active, well, male footballers, I should point out. Uh, one was Justin Fashionu, and that was a long time ago, and that obviously didn't end well. Um, one is Josh Cavallo. I said four, I meant three, uh, who plays for Melbourne City, still played for Melbourne City, 22, in and out of the lineup. Not exactly super high profile. And the third is Jakob Janko, right? I'm talking about full professionals. I'm not talking about the Daniels fella at Blackpool who's now yeah. playing for Banbury Bridge, right? Jakob Janko is 27 years old. He's played for a long time in Serie A. He was at Hitafe La Liga. He's got 50-odd uh, caps for the Czech Republic. You know, this is the highest standard of footballer to have come out 
um, or, or currently out there as, as gay. And the fact that he could come out and the fact that he could tell a story and the fact that, you know, he's, he's a father as well. And six months on, nobody cares about this anymore. I, but he's happy with it. It's made his life better. I think that sends a really big, a really, really big message mm. um, to other people who may be dealing with it. He says his mental health is better. And maybe it'll encourage others who are ready and who want to to say, hey, I can do this and it would help me. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, Nathan, this brings us to an end. Thank you so much for, for, for filling in, uh, for filling Jules's tiny little shoes. <laughs> um, we're going to be back on Monday. Big, big weekend coming up. Um, so until then, love the game. Love your neighbor. Love yourself. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is to not search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Gab. Just go to Indeed.com slash Gab right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Gab. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 